This episode of Atomic Moms is brought to you by Seedling. Go to seedling.com and use the checkout code ATOMIC for $10 off a $30 order or more and bring meaningful play home for the holidays. Welcome to Atomic Moms, a modern parenting podcast about the joys and complexities of caring for our children and ourselves. I'm Ellie Noss, and each week we celebrate and commiserate with best-selling authors, parenting experts, and moms around the world. I think it's the worst archetype that we could set up for women is to be selfless. I mean, nobody can succeed in sustainable ways doing things that um, don't make them feel good. So if you're committed to doing work that takes a lot of energy out of you or you're parenting a child or multiple children or whatever it is you're doing, you have to find these portals of self-renewal and they have to be frequent for you so that you can continue to serve, you know, our communities, our families, our work in the best way. Hey, everybody. Christmas is on its way. Um, It's really chilly in my studio today. And uh, man, I just got back from a funeral. (laughs) What an opener. Uh, Yeah, I I flew home to Houston for 24 hours. Uh, My childhood best friend, Amanda, her mother passed away. And it brought up so many feelings I wasn't expecting. Um, And obviously it's sad and I feel awful for my girlfriend. Uh, But I didn't think it was going to stir up so much stuff from my early childhood. I just feel so grateful that this family next door to me when I lived with my dad and was really young, I basically was always at their house. Uh, Amanda was my age. Uh, She was also an only child at the time. And like I would wake her up Christmas morning um, to go look at the presents under the tree. I mean I was the kid that was always there. Like if there's a sitcom, I was the neighbor kid who just always showed up. Yeah, kind of like Full House, but I was like five. (laughs) Um, And it just made me think like what an incredible woman Amanda's mother Eileen was to – uh, always have a space for me at the dinner at the dinner table, um, to always have room for me in the back seat of her car wherever they were going, um, to let me cuddle in her bed, her huge king size bed under her comforter, so I could watch movies with Amanda. Like what generosity of spirit! Uh, it's you know I was so young at the time I never thanked her, um, but when I went to the funeral. Amanda said that there are just boxes and boxes and boxes of photos of the two of us. Um, And I I think I'm going to look at uh, the other kids in my neighborhood a little differently now and the kids in Sabrina's class. You know, um, sometimes we think of kids as, you know, besides our own, we think of them, oh, they're just little kids, but we're we're not really aware of the, the influence we might be having on them. Uh, with our actions, because who knows, 20 years down the line, uh, they might reflect back and be like, wow, wow, I was so lucky that this person um, really saw me and opened up her home to me. And uh, these little moments that we kind of take for granted, uh, they stick with us. Um, and they can be much bigger than they seem. So anyway, uh, 
we've got a really great episode today. I have been following Latham Thomas on Instagram for a while now. She's a real mover and shaker. Uh, I'm going to read her bio for you uh, because it's pretty impressive. And by pretty, I mean extremely. Um, She's also pretty. (laughs) So Latham Thomas, a.k.a. Glow Maven, is a celebrity wellness lifestyle maven and birth doula transforming not only how women give birth to their babies, but how they give rise to the best version of themselves. Named one of Oprah Winfrey's Super Soul 100, an enlightened group of leaders elevating humanity with their work. Uh, I know Dr. Shafali is also on that list. Latham is helping women embrace optimal wellness and spiritual growth as a pathway to empowerment. She's the founder of Mama Glow, a lifestyle brand and highly regarded website offering inspiration, education, and holistic services for expectant and new mamas. A graduate of Columbia University and the Institute for Integrative Nutrition, Latham formerly served on the advisory board of Yahoo Health and currently serves on the Tufts University Nutritional Council. See, mover and shaker. Latham is bestselling author of Mama Glow, a hip guide to your fabulous, abundant pregnancy. Everyone, just get it. Mama Glow. Man, I'm so mad that I didn't have it with my first birth. I, I'm very excited to have it that my second round of pregnancy. It's such a fun book and there's really great recipes. Uh, and after our, my conversation with Latham, I'm going to get on top of my – you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to embrace the kitchen. She's got these great recipes in this book and she also has a great list of questions to ask a potential doula. She goes through like – you know, before you get pregnant, to each stage of the pregnancy, to your fourth trimester. It's such a fabulous resource and it's written in such a fun way. Okay, back to the bio. Stick with the program, Ellie. Uh, Latham is also a doula and lifestyle guru for celebrity clients, including Alicia Keys, Rebecca Minkoff, Angela Simmons, and Venus and Serena Williams, among many more. And, uh, she is a leading a revolution in radical self-care, teaching women everywhere to mother themselves first. Have you heard that before? Is that not one of like the key principles of Atomic Moms? I love that. We got to mother ourselves first, right? Okay. Uh, Latham and I are going to talk about my uh, – I just don't like cooking. So we're going to talk about that. Um I do not admit to her that I'm basically a toddler garbage disposal. Um, I usually just eat what's off of Sabrina's plate. Uh, I don't share that. Um, (laughs) Shouldn't be sharing it now. Uh, But guys, tides are going to change. Latham gives me some big tips. And now I'm going to be dragging all of you into this with me. Uh, You're going to be my accountability when it comes to my nutrition. Are you excited about that? Excited about your new role in my life? We talk about birthing. We talk about doulas. We talk about uh, our own mothers. And we she gives us really great um, advice when it comes to caring for ourselves and also uh, a really loving homework assignment. So stay tuned. I will be right back with Latham Thomas. Hello. Hi, Latham. This is Ellie with Hi, Atomic Moms. Good. How are you? Good. Thanks. Okay. Happy it, Monday. Happy Monday. <laughs> uh, Latham, thank you so much for coming on Atomic Moms. I've been a longtime stalker of your Instagram, and I'm kind of geeking oh out God. right now. 
So thank you. You're so cute. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited to be here with you. Well, I have a lot I want to cover. Uh, I feel like, man, you cover all the bases in what you do, and it's such important work. And so I've got a million questions I've prepared. They're going to come at you from all different directions. Uh, I want to start with, okay, in order to have time for self-care and a thriving business, you must focus on the essentials. So Latham, what do you say no to in your life? That's such a great question. I'm a big fan of the word no. Um, I think that for me, I think I say no to most things, but I think that when I say no, it's actually saying yes to the things that really need to be made um, important in my life and that I need to make space for. So um, for me, it's like, you know, in the wintertime in New York City, where I live, um, saying no to things that are after, like, the sun goes down, which is, like, 3 (laughs) o'clock. No, but really, like, 4, 6 p.m., you know, it's like, I want to be home. I want to be with my son, helping him with homework. He's in the eighth grade. Um, I want to be cooking and sort of hibernating. So anything that kind of takes me out of that space, and there's tons of events year-round, and so I try to limit my time out weekly, although obviously there are heavier periods where there's just events and charity and all types of things. So um, I have to sort of um, pick my battles when it comes to like what I go to or what I don't. But that's one thing that I really am um, protective of is time at home with my family. Do you find that in winter time, though, that that you want to hibernate more as well? I'm in California now and I grew up in Texas, but when I, I went to school in Western Massachusetts for college and I was so depressed that like by the time Oprah was on TV, it was dark out and it like blew my oh mind. My <laughs> I was like, Oprah's <laughs> on, right. like, how is it dark? And uh, I know. And so, yeah, it's just like automatic pajama time. Do you find that in the summer though, exactly. that you have more energy to go out at night to do those events after you've spent time with your son? Yeah, well, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, everything's seasonal. So our bodies really mirror, mirror what's happening in the ambient landscape. So we're supposed to like everything around us sort of dial back and hunker down in the winter time. It's a time that, you know, really like all of our ideas that are going to take time to bring into fruition, any sort of programs you're going to launch, books you're writing, screenplays, like anything really creative of an endeavor that's going to take time to cultivate should really be spun into being during the wintertime because you have time to be still and to, you know, focus and be uninterrupted in ways that you can't be when you just like don't want to be inside when it's beautiful outside. I'm never indoors when it's beautiful outside. I'm always outside. I think it's, but again, like, because we need to like use that energy of the sun and be outside and, you know, um, build up vitamin D and, you know, you just feel an energetic pull that's more natural. Right. So for sure, I mean, in, in the summertime, like, I mean, there's, everybody has energy. You don't even have to eat food, you know, in the summertime, it's like drinking juice and salad and you're just energetic. Right. But in the winter, yes, it's like heartier foods and wanting to be in bed and baths. And so it is a different, um, it's a different focus, but I think that we have to listen to our bodies and sort of kind of take stock at like what's happening around us and not think that we can operate at like our normal pace when there's things that are happening that really call for us to kind of slow down. So for me, I just listen to those rhythms. I slow down. I say no to tons of stuff. But in the winter, 
is easy. I think in the summer and, and spring months, like you mentioned, it is harder to say, well, no, I'm not going to do this or that. I think, but all, again, I think that, you know, the hours expand, like it's dark at nine o'clock in the summertime. So you, you can fit a lot more into your days. Um, and then I do do a lot of satellite office hours, like outside or, you know, um, on the roof and things like that mm-hmm. when it's warm, <laughs> which is helpful. I mean, I'm from California, so I'm really kind of like envious of you right now that you guys have better weather than us, but you know, I can get, I can, I can always visit. <laughs> yeah. It's surprisingly chilly this morning, actually. <laughs> um, really? but yeah, no snow, but it is surprisingly chilly. Uh, Okay, so listeners, I want you to hear what Latham is saying. We can let ourselves off the hook. It's December. Mm-hmm. We're tired. We're hungry. We want to be in our pajamas, and it's okay. It's okay. Yes. Because sometimes I feel so and guilty get really that I'm nice not. PJs. Oh, that's a good. Get like nice, flannelly, warm, toasty PJs and slippers, and just make it. A, if you're gonna lounge, lounge properly, right? And like really get into it. Okay, well, that leads me to my next question. What does radical <laughs> self-care mean for you? You know, for me, self-care, first of all, in this landscape, as you know, that we live in as moms, as entrepreneurs, as like motivators and out here making examples for our children and also for other people who follow us and really um, believe in, you know, what we're sharing, uh, we have to be living examples of it, right? And so for me, it's like, so much more important now than ever before to um, take this time and and really carve it out of the day. So not like the time that's left over or if something cancels, you happen to say, oh, I have some time, maybe I'll go get a foot robber. But really saying, I'm committed every Tuesday, 8 p.m., I jump in the back, I turn off the phone, I turn off, you know, everything that beeps and is electronic that needs to be plugged in. Mm-hmm. And I just chill. Maybe I read a book, maybe I listen to music, but I relax. And it's just for me. Or, you know, whether that's reading a book or, you know, going for a massage or spa, but making those things non-negotiable. And I think that the radical part is reclaiming it, right? Like knowing that it's not about being selfish or this idea of like selflessness and being like a martyr is something to be, um, you know, I guess like celebrated. I think it's like the worst sort of um, uh, archetype that we could set up for women is to be selfless. I mean, nobody can succeed in sustainable ways doing things that um, don't make them feel good. So it's like you're committed to doing work that takes a lot of energy out of you or you're, you know, parenting a child or multiple children or whatever it is you're doing. You have to find these like portals of self-renewal and they have to be frequent for you so that you can continue to show up to do these things. So it's like, reclaiming that for yourself is already radical, right? Because the world does not want to make time for you to like take a bath, (laughs) you know, like nobody cares that you want to soak or nobody cares (laughs) that you just want to like read a book or lay in bed or sleep in or whatever people, you know, and, and it's just now becoming because of people like you and it's now becoming like a dialogue, right? Where now it's like, wait, I can do this for myself wait, I should be doing this? Wait, I didn't know I should be doing it, right? So I think now moms are like, well, what is it that I even want to do at that time, right? And setting an example for the family by saying, okay, 
I'm, you know, like mom's out during these hours from like 10 to noon, like don't try to find her because she's doing her thing (laughs) or she'll be back, you know, and the world won't fall apart. And I think that that's another thing. Like we have to realize that like everybody will survive. Everything will be fine, but we should only take that time for ourselves because we come back. Like it's like plugging in your iPhone, you know, they have to get charged like every two hours. It feels like if you don't charge up your iPhone, it's dead. And then you're like scrambling around trying to ask people for charge. And it's like, we take better care of our iPhone, you know, Mm -hmm. but we need to think about like probably in the same way that your phone needs to be charged like a few times a day, you need to recharge a few times a day and it doesn't need to be all day, but think about like, okay, I put my phone on the charger, you know, maybe like probably like twice a day I do, unless I'm draining it, it's maybe three times, but like twice a day, can you give yourself five minutes to, to 25 minutes of time? Like what would that look like for you? And what would you do with that time? Right. Thinking about that and mapping it out for yourself in a way that's sustainable, I think is key for moms, because if we're showing up to things full, like with our cup full, then it's like we can really serve, you know, our communities, our families and our work in the best way. Well, and I just think about, you know, if you come back from vacation, you have a million ideas that you never would have thought of when you're running on empty. And so if we can do that on a daily basis, just a little bit of time. And I can speak for myself, like my mom love her to death, uh, no self-care growing up. Like, And that's a bummer because then I have to figure it out for myself. So if you're someone who is kind of on the martyr side of the spectrum, just think about how you're actually helping your children by modeling this for them. The other mm-hmm. thing I'd love to bring up is, you know, there's a martyr on one side. And then I feel like Some moms are afraid of being seen as like a real housewife. And I just want to say like, moms, Mm. you're not going to be a real housewife if you take care of yourself. Like it's almost like, well, I can't get a massage. I can't be like that because then I'm going to seem like one of those really frivolous women who um, only cares about herself and is a total narcissist. And uh, if you're even having those thoughts, you're not that. Right. Clearly, because those people are not having those thoughts. But also, it's like, why even make, like, why do you care what people think? Or why are you putting it, like, like, who's putting you in that category? I don't know. But Latham, I feel that all the time. I do it all the time. But why? I don't know. But but think about it. Like, think think beyond that. Like, what's the fear? Is it the fear of people going to think that of you? Or is it more like you think you're going to become that? Because we're not going to become who we aren't, right? By doing things that we're just going to become more of who we really are. And so I think that like, you know, one of the biggest things is like these polarizing kind of archetypes of women, Mm -hmm. like you said, um, like the, so the martyr and then the kind of self-indulgent, like who doesn't look after her kids or whatever it is. And then there are people, but most of us are kind of in between, right? We're kind of like, uh, you know, we're figuring it out. But why do we have to, like, why does it have to be polarizing to be one or the other thing? Why can't it just be like, I'm figuring out where I am on a spectrum of a woman who looks after herself. And like Mm -hmm. you said, models this behavior for her family and her community. Like, forget like these archetypes and like you're going to create this new archetype for your home like you're your own superhero right so i think that's really what it's about us reclaiming that like with your cape in the wind like beyonce (laughs) (laughs) the beyonce wind machine you know uh sasha fierce i'm Um, gonna bring her out more who what's your superpower do you think 
think it's like being, I think I'm really intuitive, um, like with foresight. So, you know, in my work as a doula, I'm constantly, um, as you can imagine, you know, sort of have plans to do one thing and then a baby decides to be born because they come in their birthdays and you never know when that's going to be. And so, um, but what I find is that I'm really intuitive around the timing of like when these things are going to happen because I have a family too. So I have to um, oftentimes wake up in the middle of the night or leave for several hours or maybe half a day at a time to care for um, women in birth. And what I found is um, I've become really attuned to their bodies to where I can kind of almost sometimes to the day predict the time frame and, and model my life around it. I know. I don't know how it's happened, to be honest, Ellie. It's like, it's kind of a gift, but it's also something I think that like, just, you know, I'm starting to see patterns, obviously, in, mm-hmm. in women and, and then I can figure things out. But then I design my life around that time, mm-hmm. right? And so I'm like, okay, here's what I need to do. Here's what my self-care needs to look like so that I can be a, be supportive for 17 hours straight. Or here's what my, you know, um, like work life needs to reflect so that I can step away and, and not worry about people freaking I mean, that, out that I'm not on email. Right. That would be so useful for what you do. Because I remember when I my water broke with my daughter, Sabrina, and it was two weeks early. Ugh, it was September. Mm. It was September 11th, and uh, I called my doula, and yeah, she had to scramble, and it took her mm-hmm. a while to show up. So I have a question about that. Actually, um, when should a doula show up for you? Like at the very beginning, because they expect it to be a long time. I mean, I, my whole experience: uh, my water broke at 7 a.m., and then I had my daughter at 9 p.m. Um, at the mm-hmm. hospital. But I think, you know, sometimes mm-hmm. they think it'll be a lot longer, so they don't show up for a while. So I don't go as soon as the water breaks, and there's a few reasons why. Mm-hmm. So um, it depends. Like if it's been, you know, I've had some instances where people have been days in labor, so I show right. up, check in, see how they're going. Um, other times it's like, you know, I'm getting a sense that things are moving a certain direction, and so I'll, um, I'll touch base. Um, you know, constantly on phone and on text. Mm. But, um, you know, I really believe that the couple, the laboring couple, you know, hopefully there's a partner involved. If there isn't a partner involved, then I'm a lot more hands-on. And I have been there for single um, parent births um, where it's just the mom. And then I'm kind of doing the things that like a partner would be doing Mm. and support like really early on. But if there's a couple um, and some family members involved, and I really believe that, the um, the sort of imprinting um, that's primal that needs to take place um, in, in creating this sort of um, nest of safety for the mom needs to happen with the primary partner first. So in the moments of um, after the water is broken or, so, or even when like the onset of labor happens with contractions, mm-hmm. if that's first, like that period of sort of where you're in a balance where it's sort of almost there kind of, we don't really know what's going on yet, but it feels like it could be like imminent moments. Mm -hmm. I feel like that's family time. I feel like that's time for partners to bat bathe together. If the water hasn't broken to nap, to maybe cook, to feed each other, to really like, like kind of get um, cozy in these last couple moments alone. Because then once, um, the baby's here, it's three or however many people are in the family. And then once 
the doula is there, then you're never alone again. And so, um, so I believe that the couple should have that time alone. And so that the mom can also pick up on the, um, you know, the pheromones of the person in the room with her and also the, um, the hormonal balance and this whole dance, right. Can kind of happen in its own way naturally. And then when mm-hmm. I show up, I want there to be stuff to do also. So you right. have to think about like the doula is just hanging out otherwise because nothing's yeah. going on at first. So it's not a good use of your, you know, agreement, but it's also not a good use of her time if she's not actively helping you. For so sure. I think it's good if they come when you really need them. So yeah. I'd rather show up when you're in active labor because then I know that yeah. we, we have to get to work. And I want you to rest in the beginning because it's going to be labor, right? So I don't come until things are moving. If they're not moving, then I come to right. help them get moving. So um, so I like to, but it's case by case, obviously. Some people, like they really need you there from like, oh my God, like I'm freaking out. But I usually have people so well educated by that point that they're not freaking out. So we're, just, I'm just sort of like coaching them on the phone and on, on the text, like, here's where we need to be. And I want to see this. So let's see where you are an hour from now and try to go to sleep and I'll call you in five hours or whatever it is gotcha. and then see how it progresses. And then that way it's like when your doula shows up, she's also rested because if she's up all night and you're up all night and that, and you know, you didn't get rest and then she came over and she didn't sleep and you know, it's like you don't have an effective care provider also. So, um, so I like to make sure that, you know, both of us are, you know, like when we come together, like it's the best for me and it's the best for you first, obviously, but that I'm, that I'm showing up when you also need me because I have gone, people think it's, you know, it's happening and it's, and it's not yet, which mm-hmm. is fine. And I'm checking and reassure and then say, here's some things I want you to do and let's, and then I'll come back. And I think the key is, some people just need to feel like, okay, they will come because I think there is like a resistance for some people won't come. And so it's like really far along. And I don't think that that's fair necessarily. I think that the mom needs to feel like she has the support, you know, when she needs it. Right. I think that's where I was like, uh, are you coming? When are you coming? Um, and yeah. she was, and it worked. You, you know, I had a great panic. birth and I'm not going to question any moment of it because like it happened exactly how it was supposed to happen. Uh, but there was, uh, I was like really in it. And I think that was probably unexpected for a first birth um, that I progressed so quickly. Um, mm-hmm. And so I was like really in the trenches when she was able to come. But it, you know, it worked out right. really well. And like it was in any mom who's wondering if you should have a doula. I mean, I have friends where I'm like, man, if you can afford it, even if you have a plan C-section, I'd have a doula. Like just to have someone who can like help you through the experience, but also like keep everyone at the hospital in check and just to have that sort of like have someone have your back, you know, I think it's really, really necessary. It was, it was so relieving when she showed up because it was like everything fell into place and and she was able to help me with like the back massage stuff, which was really helpful. And, you know, there was a nurse who kept saying words that were like not great words and she'd be like, oh, we don't use that language. <laughs> and then, yeah. um, and so it's so nice to have, especially if you're a type A personality, man, to have somebody that you can hand over the type A-ness to is awesome. Right. And they advocate for you. Exactly. Because you're not in the moment, like, you don't want to have to be dealing with that. And you shouldn't. It's so, you know, one of my clients says, she's like a producer for your birth. So, mm. um, 
that's think about think about any any experience in your life that would be produced, right? Like we have wedding planners, we have, you know, people who plan birthday parties or, you know, prom or I don't know, like any big events, right? And then with your birth, which is such an important event where so many things can go so many different directions, we don't even have someone who can help us navigate this terrain that's kind of uncharted for many of us who are doing it all. I mean, most parents that I have, it's first time. And then I have um, several people who've repeated babies with me up to three times. I've had births um, with same families. Wow. But it's like that is really, I mean, it's uncharted territory. And like, you're going to just go like, and I'm not saying that you need it. I'm just saying that it's useful. And it's like having, it's like having tools in your tool belt um, that you didn't realize were there, you know, when you, you know, walk into a situation that's a, sort of like um, where you haven't been before. And there's now somebody who can navigate that terrain for you and help you to feel most comfortable. And then you can relax. Exactly. Yeah. And then I can go into like my more, you know, people like roll their eyes at me, like a more primal state because yeah. you can't be like bossing everyone around or saying like, I want this or that. Like you need to be like in the moment with your child, with your partner, you know, there's yeah. a, a lot going on. And so to just sort of be able to like s- separate that um, more like mm-hmm. mental controlling part of yourself is such a relief. When we come back, we're going to hear what Latham has to say about the mindset with which we can approach second births, whether you had an empowering first experience or a traumatic one. Uh, her advice is for all of us. She also gives us one perfect activity to do tonight. And this is for moms of all ages at all stages. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. Who else feeling cooped up in their homes? I miss those 6 p.m. playground play dates. We just eat pizza on the picnic bench and uh, felt like the sun would never go down. I miss you, son. Come back. Well, Seedling is here to the rescue. They have all of these amazing craft and activity kits, like make your own snow globe. And Seedling believes in high-quality play. This means the company pays attention to every element of the creative experience, ensuring the materials in every box meet the highest standards so that every creation can be played with again and again. At Seedling, you can find creative gifts for every kit on your list. You can use the Gift Finder for an easy browse experience. Sabrina's asked Santa for a design-your-own Disney kit. Which one? Of course, the design-your-own-fantastical-mermaid tale. So hopefully, Santa, you'll be coming through on that one. Go explore the newest and best-selling collections for yourself or for awesome gifts at seedling.com. Enter code ATOMIC for $10 off your purchase of $30 or more. That's seedling.com, code ATOMIC. Seedling, growing creative kids. Now, back to our episode with Latham Thomas, who, by the way, was named one of the top 100 women to watch in wellness by Mind Body Green. Let's get back to our conversation now. With your um, clients that come back for their second and third births, mm-hmm. what do you say to a mom who had a dynamite first birth? Um, like with me and Sabrina, it felt like we were in the amazing race together. Like it was so mm-hmm. empowering. And Mm -hmm. there were ups and downs, and it was super challenging. Um, But I came away from that experience feeling uh, 
really empowered in a way that I had never experienced before. And so now I'm afraid of like the sophomore slump when I get pregnant again. Like (laughs) there's like this fear that I won't be able to like pull through again or obviously circumstances change and the baby will be different. What do you say to that mom who's kind of, or me, um, about, you know, that the fear of like, you know, maybe it won't be as great the next time. Well, I think the main thing to remember is um, you know, that every birth is different. Every baby is different. Um, and that, um, you know, like we don't know what, I mean, that's like sort of the magic of the process, right? Is that we don't really know what's in store, but, you know, the the sort of mystery of the experience, you know, in, in full, you've already sort of had that. So now it's like, all right, um, well, I know what, I know what it's like to have a baby. I don't know what it's like to have this baby. Right. Mm-hmm. And so it kind of opens you up to um, the possibilities of what this next experience could be. But I think you hold the same principles dear and the same, um, you know, like if, you know, in, unless anything changed in the way that you view the process, I think it's just like working under those same, you know, guises that like we're moving towards like, um, you know, a natural or whatever experience. And, you know, here's like my, you know, sort of preferences and I'm just going to kind of be open and fluid and, you know, like you move with the baby and connect and see what's happening in my body and tune into that. Um, I, I think that you can assuage any fears pretty easily unless there's like layers of trauma or, you know, things like that that you have to deal with. But if it's just, you know, like second time, I mean, I think that, you know, that, that can definitely come up for people. But I don't think that it's anything to be hung up on. I do think that it's important to, to realize that every birth is different, though. Mm-hmm. And um, and for to not think that, like, if the first time you had you know, a really challenging experience or something that, you know, you would never have wanted doesn't mean that the second time can't be amazing and vice versa. Right. Um, and the, the first time if it was awesome. Doesn't mean like, Oh my God, now I'm going to get some crazy experience that, you know, I wasn't planning for because I was so blessed the first time. No, like that doesn't mean that either. So when, when I, I hear think, you say what I said, it sounds crazy. <laughs> No, but, but no, but people, people do say this. So it's, yeah, it's like, yeah, like it's almost like, you know, I think it too, when it comes to my son, I'm like, Oh, I just had a, such a great first mm-hmm. one. I don't know if I want to jinx it and have a second or, mm-hmm. you know, he was so awesome. We had such a good little thing going. I don't want to like introduce a new kid. And, you know, so I think it, it's, everybody has stuff like that. But again, it's just our, like, you know, it's just us because, Again, we have to remember that women, ever since since we're small, have been told that we're not enough, right? Yep. It's like a mantra that we hear, that we see, whether it's in magazines, whether it's on television, whether it's from people in our lives that have held positions of authority um, or influence, right? In, any, in various ways, we're told that we're not enough. So it's going to show up that these things that we think about ourselves, even though we know we're all powerful and that we're capable, it'll come up like, Oh, what if I can't, or what if it's right? But deep down, I believe that, you know, that you can, you just did. 
right? So mm-hmm. you know that you can do it again. You know, you just said that we're not enough and it made me, or that we are told that we are not enough. And um, it made me think of like all the ways we diminish ourselves. And one of the ways mm-hmm. would be uh, food. And obviously that's mm-hmm. a big topic. You know, it's a huge part of your life purpose um, is yeah. surrounding food and how women can, you know, uh, deny themselves nutrients. We deny, you know, we try to make ourselves smaller, um, mm-hmm. to not take up space instead of, you know, to be healthy. And, um, I hate cooking and I hate being in the kitchen. And, um, <laughs> it's crazy because, uh, like six years ago, I had a giant cell tumor in my leg and it's a one in a million mm. tumor. And it was this amazing experience. It's probably the best thing that ever happened to me. You know, obviously it was really mm-hmm. painful at the time, but I came through it with, uh, so much less anxiety. Um, you know, it opened up this whole spiritual side of my life. And but the missing element is still food. It's like it didn't mm-hmm. help me there, even though I know that food, you know, makes me healthy. And obviously I have um I should be taking care of my body because, you know, of my prior history. So how can I like get on track with that? I think I used to have a lot of stomach issues because of anxiety that's cleared Mm -hmm. up so I don't have the digestion problems Mm -hmm. now but I still like it's just I don't know if it's all the years of being like gassy and the embarrassment or like what but I just cannot get it together there Mm. yeah I think that um you know um what's helpful when we have to make these kind of changes especially the changes that you know we have to make in our adulthood um, one thing that I found, um, a lot of the women who come when they get pregnant, it's like, it's one of those things where it is, um, what do they call it? Cold Turkey mm-hmm. or like suddenly it's like, okay, I'm on the other side of the fence and this is it moving forward. Um, but if there's nothing like that, you know what I mean? Where it's just like, okay, there's a baby because people okay. generally can wrap their mind around that. So wait, Latham, I'll get pregnant tonight and then it'll solve my problem. <laughs> I'm kidding. Been outside everything. Yes. <laughs> but actually go, you know what? December 11th is the most fertile day of the year. And Ooh. most babies are born on September 16th. Wow. According to consensus. I know. So like maybe wait out a few days. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, but, um, but what, but, but here's what I have to say about this is, um, and on a serious note, community is so key. So what I think for you, you have this incredible audience, this incredible group of women who hang on your every word, who are supportive, but also who are um, influenced by you. I think that one way or two ways, one way could be through a challenge where you, through your vulnerability, expose what is going on that you're looking to achieve mm-hmm. and create some um, some benchmarks for yourself and have like the support of your community of your followers to like cheer you on. And because it's like one thing if one person is like, how's she doing? But it's another thing if like everyone, you know, in your social media, on your podcast, like are saying, okay, wow, she's really sticking to this. Great. Right. Cause you're, cause you're going to make them feel like they can do it. There's one way. Second, oh, and really what I think you can do well is like coming together 
with your um, your friends or small community around your um, your being able to uh, to achieve some um, some goals around this um, you know mm-hmm. your health and and food. And I think that you can do that, like simply finding some people like in your local community that you're already cool with, that you adore and that really want to see you win and like coming together and doing that. So, um, and it could be literally like phone, like, okay, Hey girl, like, what'd you eat today? (laughs) Or like, I'm at the place, you know, this really cool restaurant. Like I want to bring you here. Let's do this. Like, or it could be like, you know, starting, you know, like meatless Mondays, that kind of thing. Like start mm-hmm. like something, it could be like a daily thing that you start with. And also I think another big thing is like finding somebody who is an excellent cook that's in your community mm-hmm. that you can come together with and have her come over and teach you a couple things. Okay. Like there's always some people that you know, I feel like oh, yeah. who make dishes that you live for. Have them come over and teach you or be like, can I you know, I'll cook, I'll buy all the groceries, you come cook it. And then let's, you know, like, let's teach me how to be able to do this. You know what I mean? This is so helpful because it's like with, you know, working out or anything like that, I'm so awesome at it. And I have been for a really long time. Like I've just been so committed, you know, every day. And I, you know, my last, my first pregnancy was so healthy, you know, but I, but I still was resistant to the food part of it. But, you know, always exercising, all of that. And so, yeah, I just need to accept that I'm a novice, that I don't know what I'm doing, and it's okay that I don't know what I'm doing. And that, mm-hmm. like, when I try, sure, my loving husband might <laughs> choose to eat something else. <laughs> but, like, just keep going because it's – a lot of us probably, at least in our 30s, you know, the things that we stick with – we've been good at for a long time. And so it's like, okay, what are we beginners Mm -hmm. at? And like really sort of accept I'm a beginner at this. And it's sort of like that first yoga class you ever took. And it's like, oh, and how scary that was, or they correct you and all of that. And it's like, okay, well, that's me in the kitchen. Um, And I actually have some girlfriends. Yeah. And it's fine. And I'll get better at it. And Mm -hmm. then I'll start enjoying it because it'll start tasting better. Right wondering what was your relationship with your own mama like and how has it informed your own mothering? Mm. My relationship with my mom growing up and I would say now too is like, it's such a, um, it's like, what's the right way to describe this? You know, I'm a real, um, I'm a Taurus and she's, an Aries. I'm She's Aries. a ram. And I'm a bull. Okay. Oh, wow. We lock horns all the time. So, and she had two Taurus daughters and we just <laughs> lock horns all the time. So, so to answer your question, um, I think that it's sometimes can be touch and go, like, you know, our issues are real. Um, but I think that in my adulthood, you know, I came to just accept you know, my mom's intensity and, and not take it so personally. Um, I do value all that she has taught me and all that I've gone through with my mom, um, has been really helpful in shaping who I am as a woman. So, and I know that, you know, she has her own, um, issues around like my father who, you know, they, um, separated when I was really young and, I don't know. She's just so she doesn't like him. Right. And so it's like, I think a hard thing for kids 
to have one parent talk bad about the other parent or feel badly about the other parent because it's part of you, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, so I think that a big con- point of contention would be like whenever my dad comes up and it's like, you know, she's still harbors these feelings. I can't imagine somebody feeling like, you know, 30 years or so, 30 plus years. And so, um, I don't know. So I would definitely say though, that, um, I learned a lot of really wonderful lessons, um, through by example, my mom was like really amazing with her self care. Um, probably too much so, but she was definitely like good at getting massages, like nothing could come in between them. You know, I learned to cook because, um, I would make food for all of us and the massage therapist. And then I would learn techniques after she finished working on my mom. And so, um, yeah. So I got very good at it. Actually, I have a massage table at home. I didn't do any training in it, but like, I just know how to do it. So I do it at home, but it would never be something that I would, you know, do out. In but you must do it um, with also with with your births, with the births that I'm just like, yeah, like I'll use some techniques. Yeah. yeah, 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 definitely use the techniques on mommies and stuff. But um, it's like part of just, you know, helping them feel calm and things like mm-hmm. that, for sure. I definitely think my mom helped me in that in that arena. Um, but as far as like, you know, being um, you know, that nurturing person, I think that, you know, I am that person. My mom is more of the kind of like the lioness, like, you know, who's going to, you know, go and hunt or go Mm -hmm. and like, you know, stalk and kill prey. You know, she's (laughs) kind of like that. I feel she you, has man. That really intense, fierce energy, and yes. I don't think it's really a ram. Like I feel like Aries are more, um, like they are more feline to me. Mm. You know, she's feline, even though she's not a Leo. She's a feline nature. She's more like, you know, fierce in that kind of way. It feels more. It's it's an elegance and a, but also a fierceness. Like don't mess with her because mm-hmm. like. So I always felt like if there was anything that went wrong, I told my mom it was handled. It was like Olivia Pope. You know what I mean? Like it's handled. You know what I mean? Like I don't have to worry. Like I'm not going to cry about it because like my mom is here and yeah. these people are going to be in trouble. Yeah. It was like that. Uh-huh. So I am on the other side of that where I'm like very nurturing and like kumbaya and like let's, you know what I mean? So yes. I have aspects of my mom, but they're like, you know, they're bound up in case I really need to pull it out. Right. And I, and I love what you said um, when you shared about your mother, you know, speaking about your dad, because my parents got divorced when I was very young and throughout my mm-hmm. life, you know, oh man, anytime my mom is mad at me, she'll be like, you're just like your father still, you know, or my yeah, dad will say that, but my mom, mean? and I'm like, man, okay, so you hate half of me. Like, like right. you hate half of me. And like, how do I reconcile that? And uh, mm-hmm. it's, so then it becomes about, okay, great. So part of my story is like learning to accept myself, like all of myself, because when you've got these parents who you love dearly more than anything, um, and they don't like an aspect of you because, you know, they made the choice to like a get together in the first place, by the way. Um, it's right. just such a – it's an interesting journey when your parents – when, you know, when you know that the people that are supposed to love you unconditionally, like there are parts of you that they don't like and it's not even you. It's like because of the parent. Um, but it probably does make us uh, 
you know, we have to focus on the self-acceptance and we have to focus on, um, you know, being more nurturing and, and it probably leads us on a path, um, of being, I guess I, you are definitely a healer, but I guess through the podcast, I kind of dapple in that a little bit, you know, I'm trying to make people's lives better. Yeah. So, um, I want, I think that that's, and it's an interesting thing. I think, I think a lot of people that are healers had challenging childhoods or just, um, you know, you would think it would be people that were raised by, you know, I would imagine you would have been raised by someone who cuddled you all day long, <laughs> but you were raised by a lioness, <laughs> you know? I think it's yeah, fascinating. Yeah, no, I was not cuddled all day long. My son was cuddled all day long, but there you go. I was not cuddled all day <laughs> well, But I mean, yeah, my mom was out there like, you know, we were like, oh my goodness, like, this is intense. But it was such, it's, but the, the, it was behavior that she modeled was just basically about like, know your worth. Don't let anyone, you know, take you for granted. Don't let anyone tell you who you are or take anything that's yours. And like, you go take what's yours. Like she was like that before this was like a movement. My mom Mm -hmm. was like, that was her movement. Like, that's just how she moved. And, um, and now it's like what people are celebrating, but it's also what, you know, when we call a woman a B word, like that's Mm kind of like what she embodied with, you know, these principles that people attribute to this type of woman. And she was that back then. And and I remember like, that's what, you know, when she would get into like arguments, you know, or when she was in male dominated rooms, that was often things that, that was often said about her. And so I know that she was up against so much in a time that didn't even make space for women to be this way. So, um, so for that, you know, it's like, I, I feel like it's like she was hurtling most of her life, you know? And so we're so blessed that like, we don't have to jump over as many hurdles in the same way, you know, because the world is caught up a little teeny bit. I'm not going to say a lot, but a little teeny bit Mm -hmm. um, towards like how we, you know, how it views women and our, and our, um, you know, attributes and, and contributions. God, thank you for sharing that. Yeah. I have chills. We had such a similar experience with our mamas. Um, yeah, my mom's a top, like top high powered attorney, um, you know, mm-hmm. had the most hours in her law firm, you know, that kind of, like just nonstop. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, I imagine most of the time in those meetings, she was the only female. Um, and, and thank you for bringing up that, you know, she had to do all those hurdles and now I can um, have a podcast where I get to talk about warm, fuzzy stuff and figure out how to integrate both sides of my being, you know, that fierce side that wants to take charge and that more masculine energy. And then how can I um, also take time for myself? And God, hats off to our mothers and all the previous generations of women um, in closing, Latham, I, I'd love to ask you about rituals because I know this is your big thing. And on Atomic, mm-hmm. on Atomic Moms, we always talk about how, you know, relationship is key. That's all that really matters yeah. in the early years of childhood. Like forget, you know, forget the classes, forget soccer. Like it doesn't even matter what preschool you go to. At the end of the day, what really, really matters is your relationship with your child because they can get through anything mm-hmm. else if they have that. And so we talk a lot about rituals that can strengthen our relationship with our children. But I'd love for you Mm -hmm. to give us one ritual that we can try tonight to strengthen our 
relationship and our connection with ourselves. Ooh, oh, I love that. Okay. Um, like, where do I narrow down? (laughs) (laughs) Um, okay. So I think that what I'd love to leave you with, um, everybody has to start where they feel comfortable, right? So you and I could talk fuzzy, wuzzy, kumbaya all day. And then somebody will take it away and be like, oof, I don't know if I can do that. And then then it's lost on them. So I think where where I'm going to leave you is um, I'd like everyone to um, start with like um, a notebook and start with um, colored pencils and maybe, you know, um, some magazines, whatever feels good. Like if you're not somebody who writes, maybe you draw. If you don't love to draw, maybe you collage. But figure out and set aside some time to um, ask yourself some critical questions. I did this with my son on the weekend where I asked him about um, where does he see himself um, in a year from now? And what does he want to be doing? He's a DJ. So he has all this, you know, we do this business wise to ask, you know, questions about what he wants to do because a lot of the goals that he sets for himself, he actually um, reaches like within those years. Um, within that year as, of writing the list. As an eighth grader, which I love. Yeah. I love that you're doing yeah, this now you. with him. That's incredible. Yeah, well, no wonder he's reaching like, his goals. He's got a mom who's like sitting down with him and helping him chart his course. Yeah, I just, I think that they know better than us, right? Because mm-hmm. sometimes we're thinking, oh, well, let's push them this direction and they got to do this and tennis and this and this and all these things that the kids are doing. They just really want to be in sailing school or they just really mm-hmm. want to be, you know, drawing or and, and we're pushing this other stuff onto them. So I think that the same thing that happens to kids happens to us that we um, we get so caught up thinking we're supposed to be a certain way and then we kind of lose track and we almost we just we're off mission Mm -hmm. and so sometimes we need to rechart our course that's such a great phrase off mission i've never heard that before yeah so we we kind of get there okay so chart ourselves back on course chart back and so maybe that's um and not asking yourself questions about just like oh you know accomplish oriented questions or accomplishment oriented questions but really about like you know, um, where you've sort of been missing the mark with um, keeping that connection with where you were headed to begin with, right? So, um, like, children come, and then we often make mistakes, or not mistakes, we often make, what's it called, um, excuses. We have to make excuses for why we can't do certain things because they're here and we have to take care of them. And But there's no excuse because there's people who are getting like advanced degrees and PhDs and have multiple kids and people are figuring it out out here. So we have to just um, really figure out a way to design our lives around what it is that we know makes us happiest, right? In addition to looking after our children and growing them and, and doing what we do in the world. So, so what I want you to do is I want you to make almost like a mission workbook or notebook. And then I want you to um, find, and don't get one of those notebooks that's too fancy that you won't even write in it. Like get something <laughs> that you will actually use. I'm like, I've done that so many times. 
you know what I'm talking about. Oh my right? God. Like, I have like so a beautiful so and you have a hundred of them and you open it up and there's like one word and you're like, Oh, I don't like this pen. And so then you don't write in it again. Um, so no, get the notebook that is like, you know, also get one that's not so thick, like get a regular right. size notebook. There's a new one out called my path. Okay. Yeah. There's a new one called my path, which I really like. And it's 30 days um, of setting you on your path towards a goal. So Ooh. it's like, it's only 30, uh, 30 days of pages, which I think is I better than that. like having a year planner because like yes. people have ADD. So, oh, so yeah. do something small, like a small notebook. But, and then I want you to think about like start to chart out for yourself. Like what's, you know, what's my mission and don't try to make some grandiose. It's only you who's looking at this really like what's, where, where am I like, you know, sort of like swimming upstream? Where am I off course? Where am I like completely aligned, you know, and then start to figure out like, what are the things that I need to introduce to my life to help me stay on mission? What are the things I need to sort of exclude to help me to, um, you know, make space for where I need to head and to make things easier. So I think, um, just like, you know, taking a time to acknowledge that there are these things that are inside of you that want to come out. And, um, and there's, there's, there's like a path that wants to unfold and it's within you and it's living and breathing, um, and making space for it, even if it's not coming into fruition in the next six months, but it's something that you're working towards in the next year or five years, like that's an acknowledgement to self, right? So, I think that we just have to always remember to um, keep awake and alive these parts of ourselves so they don't grow dormant and that we don't grow resentments. And then we start and we start internalizing and then placing blame on people or things or consequences or circumstances in our life as a result of us not actually fulfilling our agreement, right? Which is that we, an agreement that we set, upon birth when we came here to the world, um, we have to fulfill that. And, um, and obviously there's different iterations of what you're meant to do at different times. Obviously what you were doing as a kid might be different than what you're doing as an adult. But what I mean is, um, you made an agreement, you know, like a sacred pact with God and made your way here. And so you have work to do until it's time to go. Right. So get back to what that work is that you're supposed to be doing. And, and, acknowledge it every single day that you remember it and that even if you don't remember it now, like make a way so that you open that pathway again so that you can reignite the passion so that you can chart the course because that's the only way that you can fulfill it is if you feel excited about it again. So I need everyone, every one of us needs to do this because as mothers who are the crux of community who are here to lead who are also leading our children. If you look at what the word, I mean, what do leaders do, but lead, like we guide. So we are also showing, like you said, through our actions to our children, what's possible. And if they see that mommy did not fulfill her dreams and mommy did not make good on, you know, these things that she started, then they're going to see that as an example of what they can do, right? Not, mm-hmm. not follow through and things like that. So we can't blame them if they, in life don't fulfill their own dreams because we're their first example. So I think it's really for us to just continue that path. And those of us who are already doing it, kudos, keep going, deep, dive deeper, reach, you know, reach higher. But those of us who are like feeling in a slump, like this is the first step is to recognize where you are 
and acknowledge and then take steps forward. Um, so that's what I would love people to do, but do that like, you know, in a bathtub, like take a bath, mm-hmm. bring your notebook, whatever, do it like relax. Don't do it so that it's this laborious thing. Right. And it's like, Oh man, do it. Have a, a glass of wine if you want to or something fine, but go do it. And remember that, um, as you check in with it, what's going to happen is new ideas are going to come and all these things are going to bubble up inside you. And you're going to find that it's really hard to contain inside that it'll start mm-hmm. to come out. And that's a good thing. Mm-hmm. And what feels good and be, and mamas have an open mind too, because what used to be your mm-hmm. dream might not be your dream anymore. Like what was that? Fe- it might have changed. It might have changed. So be open because, you know, what uh, it's about what is the feeling that that thing gives you, right? And there might That's be right. other things now that are presenting themselves that you've been shut down to because you thought, oh, I was supposed to be on this other path. Like let's just all make a pact on Atomic Moms that we're going to be open to um, just like I've had Martha Beck on um, as a guest and like that idea of just like follow the good feeling, like what feels good, mm-hmm. but like in a soulful mm-hmm. way, you know, not in a like mm-hmm. I ate a bag of Skittles and that felt really good, <laughs> but like what feels good? Um, because I think of all the years that I limited myself because I was so focused on one particular dream that wasn't even feeling good anymore. And question, like, why is that your dream? Like, what is that really? Um, because right. sometimes we're we're chasing, we're still chasing after something because we're just so headstrong. Uh, when when we've changed or the world's changed. And uh, so just right. to be like open, open to all of it. Mm-hmm. That's right. Well, that's right. Thank you so much, Latham Thomas. Everybody, get on your computers and go to mamaglow.com. It is her fabulous website. I will have on our website, atomicmoms.com, a link to her book, Mama Glow. You can also find her on Instagram. You can join me in stalking her on Instagram at Glow Maven. Uh, and everybody, Aww. please subscribe <laughs> on iTunes.com backslash Atomic Moms and uh, leave a five-star review if you love us. And until next week, trust in your goodness, live out your greatness, rock on, Atomic Moms. Atomic Moms.